0: I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Night Voices. My name is Luis Hernandez, and I'm the executive producer of Nightly Live, as well as the associate producer of Night Voices. In this episode, we're going to listen to all of the podcasts that students have worked throughout this month. We begin with sports reporter Peter Nichol reporting about the future of the Chicago Bears with Griffin Limbers and Gavin Bautista.
2: Hello, everybody. Back with another college basketball podcast. I'm Peter Nickel. Here with my guy, Hunter Holley from Marist in Chicago. we we'll gonna be talking about some college hoops, covering the Maui tournament, the Atlantis, all the tournaments across the country over Thanksgiving break. A lot of new teams in the top 10. First off, I got a question for you, Hunter. Who do you think was the best performing team of the week? Um, to be honest with me, the best performing team of the week was uh, really Purdue, in my opinion. Uh, beating uh, Gonzaga and Duke, and uh, I mean, kind of pretty much beating them handily, really.
3: Uh, I was really impressed with Purdue, the way they played, uh, especially in the Duke game. Even when Zach Eady went out, Purdue was able to still maintain the lead and even grill the lead. And I mean, what, I think what kind of shocked me the most was. How well they shot the ball from three and their defense. Now, I don't know if the three point shooting will, they'll be able to keep that up all season, but I think Purdue is definitely off to a good start.
2: Now, I got a question for you about Purdue. I know a lot of people are saying they think they improved with Jaden Ivey going to the NBA. Do you agree with that or not? I mean, early returns say yes, but I mean, I think it's still too early. Because I know say, a lot of people are thinking that It's like, I mean, all right, Jaden was the show. They had a lot of great players, but Jaden was the show. He was a star player, and he wanted the game in his hands. Now that he's gone, they're kind of more of a team and playing all together. So that's what I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh,
3: we'll definitely see once they get into conference play, you know, play in talk Big Ten.
2: Them and the Hoosiers. I mean, them and the could, Hoosiers are going to be could, fun
3: to watch. Could, uh, yeah. Illinois, go a line on, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: Indiana's not winning the Big Ten, just so you know. I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see, I mean, really, I mean, I don't know, We haven't. they haven't played too many good teams besides Xavier, they got North Carolina on Wednesday, but they look like they uh, could be legit, but who knows? They
3: should beat North Carolina, I mean, North Carolina, I mean, my God, I mean, I mean they like, I think first of all they were overrated at number one. They had no business
2: being at number one. Uh, you think you think right. a good tournament run made them overrated? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. I know a lot of you are calling absolutely. North Carolina overrated, and I I agree with it. There's definitely there's there's ten teams better than North Carolina, maybe more. But I think it was probably the right spot to put them at one because. I mean, yes, they were an A seed and they were okay in the regular season last year, but they finished so strong. And, dude, they were up they were up 15 at, at half to that KU team. Yeah, they blew it. But, I mean, with Baycott returning, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, Leaky Black, get Pete Nance on the transfer portal. It was tough to not put it one. It was tough. I mean, but, yeah, they're definitely frauds for right now. We'll see if they do the same thing as last year. But what do you think about that? Uh, was it? quadruple
4: overtime game? Yeah, I was at... Um, it was... It, I mean, it was fun to watch, but it was just bad
3: basketball. A lot yeah. of forced shots. Um, you could tell both teams were tired. They were lot of jump shots. And, I mean, it was kind of one of those games where, like, well, you know, like, one team, like, has to win, but, like, neither team really wanted to win the game. I mean... It's Alabama, Alabama struggling to get the ball in bounds and then North Carolina gets the ball back and they, and they turn the ball over. Like, I mean, I mean it's you
2: know, even harder I to win that game. That's so why I kind of went for overtimes. Um,
3: but that, I mean, that was a good win for Nate Oates and Alabama to, uh, leave Portland with the W, uh. I think they should be able to get a lot of momentum out of that win. I mean, just looking at their schedule right now,
2: so they play Houston on the on uh, December tenth. That'd that be, a be a tough one. Good game. Yeah. And then they play. They, then they play Gonzaga on the seventeenth. Another so frauds. I think we'll be able to
3: get an early indication based off Alabama's tough non-conference. and how good they are.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of frauds this year. Like North Carolina, Gonzaga, maybe Kansas. I mean, it's it's tough to tell. It's really early in the season, but yeah, there's I a mean, lot of new great teams.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, he was, we always know Houston's going to be there every year with Calvin Sampson. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: Marcus uh, is just falling. Just like
3: against the rankings right now.
2: So without look oh. with. Who are your? Give me your five best teams right now, but like no, in no specific order. Doesn't have to be unless unless you want to give that. But no,
3: no. You, I, I don't like specific order questions. So. um, yeah. Houston. I mean, I think definitely
2: Purdue, Arizona, Texas got to um, be in there
3: yeah texas i mean they i mean a good win against gonzaga i mean i don't know how much weight that win's gonna carry but so far they've looked pretty good that's four right that's four and then to be honest i i would put crane at five i like i
2: like i like like what they did in maui um I mean, Denmark-Arizona really could have won the championship game. I would put three of those Maui teams in the top five for me right now. I'd have Creighton, Arizona, and Arkansas. Arkansas and Creighton went yeah. head-to-head. and yeah. I mean, I, I I personally, I think Creighton's a better team. I wanted them to win the game. But refs were – some of the officiating was questionable in that game for sure. But I think those three teams, Texas – Texas and Purdue – are probably my top teams right now. Houston's great, but, I mean, they just had a... Who would they just play where they barely beat? Uh, Kent State. I mean, they haven't beat anyone. Yeah, I mean, they looked really they good last year, play but... Oregon, I mean, they're not going to... I mean, they play... They play Alabama in a few weeks, so... Yeah, that's, that'll be a good test, but, like, Gonzaga... Or, Texas' is when was seemed a lot more impressive, so... For right now, it's got to be Texas-Purdue and those three Maui teams for me, but... Yeah. And what do you think about the Wisconsin-Kansas game? OT, questionable uh, calls?
3: I, Wisconsin, I, I don't care about the officiating. You have to be able to... I mean, to get rebounds to close out the game. I mean, especially the second overtime. I, mm-hmm. mean, I mean, the first overtime only went overtime. I mean... Uh, Connor season just—I mean—he's a bucket. Yeah. he has no idea where Bobby Pettiford is. He, I mean, Bobby Pettiford literally goes right behind him and gets the rebound. Uh, but I mean, I, was, I mean, it, it's a good you know early test. I mean, these tournaments carry weight, but like—I mean, not really. I mean, there's more so I think for coaches, teams like coaches to see like, you know, what I mean, what do we need to work on? And so I mean Wisconsin I think they'll definitely, you know, probably spending this week so, uh, you
2: know, working on rebounds and I mean I gotta you know, I gotta give credit to that Wisconsin team 'cause
3: Yeah every I,
2: year I mean they were de- yeah, I mean they were down by a lot. I mean they, I mean they fought. I mean yeah. I was definitely Impressed. I think they're a you know a sneaky team to watch that isn't besides a lot of attention right now. I mean, I think they're picked like ninth to win the Big Ten. Exactly. Yeah, Big that's Ten. what I was gonna say. Besides the fact um, that they came back in that game, they're always projected or this year and last year projected bottom of the Big Ten. Last year they placed tied first for Big Ten. They just put up a good fight against KU. I mean, yeah, they're definitely. And they beat they beat Dayton. I mean, they didn't score a lot, but they beat Dayton, who was ranked. And so I mean, they're too they much. Beat
3: USC, they
2: I mean, I they can shoot the three ball, man. I mean, Connor Seigan. I did he did he miss the three? I mean, seriously.
3: Yeah, I, I don't remember. I mean, he single handedly got got
2: Wisconsin back into that game. And uh, yeah, Bill Self was doing classic Bill Self calling
3: off his timeouts like three minutes apart. <laughs> That's when I mean, team goes on a run, Bill Sub
2: calls like two timeouts in a run. So. Yeah, I mean Wisconsin—they're a sneaky team. They could be like underrated, but they don't have near the pieces to like go on a good run in the tournament and go to the final four or anything. I mean, they really need some bigger pieces than Connor Siegen and Tyler Wall. Well, I mean, I they. I mean, I think last year's team was probably really equipped to make, you know, at least get to the Sweet 16. I Even mean, You lose Checky Hepburn in the Iowa State game, and that I mean, pretty much changes everything. Uh, you need a big – you need I mean, a good big to make a run nowadays in the tournament. We saw it last year with Big Dave against – Big guy championships. Okay, championship. So, and, so then
3: Kansas isn't making a run this year. They have no big. So... Is
2: that what, you're telling, here, is that what here, you're telling me? Here's what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm telling you. I'll tell you this, as, a, as an honest Kansas fan. We talk about this all the time in my house. Me and my father were the biggest... Honestly, we're the biggest David McCormick haters of all time. And is being... Like, following Kansas people on Twitter and seeing all the comments... I will be honest, most Kansas people did not like David McCormick until probably March Madness or maybe the Big 12 tournament. It, it, seriously, he was not good. He was horrible. Like I mean, I
3: don't blame... I mean,
2: he was horrible in the regular season. We I always mean, say we wanted him gone. I mean, yeah, we we always wanted him gone, and out of nowhere, he got good in March Madness. So what I'm saying is... We have we have the guys who could be like Dave. We they just gotta find their spot and step up. I mean, but, but, but no, but you don't have a big. What yes do you we do. Mean? Yes we do. You're starting big as oh. Okay, KJ Adams is the starting big, and he's not a big. He's six six. But here's the thing, Ernest Uda, he's a five star freshman. He's six ten. That's like the same height as okay. Dave. Okay. Dave wasn't a five star. Put a put a little project on him. Get Bill Self working with him. There's your big. I'm not saying can. I'm not saying he's gonna. I'm saying it's a possibility. It's I'm, what I'm saying is. He's I'm so, talking about this year, I know, and I'm saying it's they, so they, early they in the season,
3: in and, uh, I don't remember seeing him
2: I'm just yeah, he barely played, but i'm I'm saying you it's so early, it's so early you don't know' because if you told me at this point a year ago that David McCormick was going to be the best player for Kansas and March Madness and win a national championship, I wouldn't have believed you.
3: I mean, he was a great player on that t- on that
2: championship team, but I mean, that was, I mean, Remy Martin was the best player on the court. Sure, sure. Remy Martin had the biggest impact uh, in the championship game, but throughout uh, the Elite Eight and Championship, we could not have done it without Dave. Uh, Dave McCormick is framed in my basement for a reason. Yeah,
3: he got, he got saved because Baycott got
2: hurt. And, uh, he was um, babying guess, Baycott.
3: It, well, he gets, the, he gets Brady manic, and he scores a little jump hook. I mean, yeah, he was doing it all the game. It, I mean, everyone knew that play was going to David. I mean,
2: it worked. I mean, so yeah. I don't see Kansas making a run. I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, it's too early to tell. If you could have asked me, you could have asked me in February last year, is Kansas gonna make it run? And I would have said no. I mean, really, I thought they were. I mean, they were one seed, but that's only because they won the Big Twelve tournament after the
3: Kentucky loss. You're like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Kansas team sucks, and oh boy, Kentucky is really good. and
2: Yeah, you Kentucky, saw how that worked out.
3: Kentucky loses first round, and... That's so why college basketball's amazing. Wins the national championship.
2: You just right. never know. Yeah. I mean, that's
3: true. I mean, that's what you like about college basketball. When it comes down, honey, when it gets to March, I mean, anything can happen. The excitement of those
2: three, four weeks, you know. Alright, well, that's enough last year at KU talk. It's early in the season. We'll be we'll be back in a little bit to update on the team, see who's frozen, and who's not, see if KU's got their big guy yet. Thank you for listening everybody. It's Peter Nickel reporting for Nine Voices.
1: Next, reporter Dean Carlson takes a look at everything that has been happening in the two thousand twenty two, two thousand twenty three NBA season.
5: With the championship going to the Warriors last season in the NBA, a lot has changed since then. Even though we are just a few weeks into the season, there are lots of issues and situations that were created. Take the Brooklyn Nets, for instance. Steve Nash, the Nets' head coach, was fired due to, quote, the team struggling on the court and faced criticism for off-the-court actions of the star guard Kyrie Irving, unquote, according to New York Times. And hopefully with this new coach, the Nets will be able to do better this playoff series, on the contrary to last year's messy performance. NBA superfan ever since he was in second grade, Bobby Reifke, has a lot to say on this topic.
6: I personally didn't like that decision. Um, I don't know if it had to do with Kyrie, but if it did, then that made it even worse. I feel like, I mean, he obviously, he wasn't the best coach. He had all the pieces around him. So obviously when you have all the pieces, all they have to do is be healthy and play basketball and that's it. I feel like him coaching didn't really, didn't really have much to do with him being fired.
7: What do you think it
6: had to do with? It? I feel like it had to do with Kyrie Irving and how he, like, like, how
5: Steve Nash, like, handled it, I guess. With the introduction of the Brooklyn Nets, there is no way we could pass up on talking about Ben Simmons. However, Reifke backs up the horrendous player by saying it's not his fault. Coming from a Sixers fan, he
6: has so much more potential than what he's doing.
5: Do you think he's willing to unlock that potential right now?
6: Right now, no. When I don't know why he couldn't. I mean, it just seems like he's like scared, you know, he fouls out of a lot of games. It seems like mentally he's not really in the right spot and I don't think he really has been, Mm. so. He is a very good player. Mentally, he just needs to be there. He had so much potential and he still does. And I feel like now he's like getting to play more with the Nets and actually getting involved, playing with better players than he used to. I figured like uh, Kyrie and KD will make him grow as a player and as a person.
5: While Ben Simmons isn't looking too good currently, neither are the superstars Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, whose second-year NBA fan Tony Franny blames for the Nets' poor performance. I mean,
4: I honestly think it was a little bit unnecessary. I mean, you could it's all in the players' perspective. If they really believed he was not a good co- actually, not even the players, the owner. If they just truly believed he wasn't a good coach, they feel like it's more I feel like they shouldn't have done it is basically what I'm saying the players can say what they say and fans can but all goes to the owners I guess in my personal opinion I think they should have kept them I don't think it was really Steve Nash's fault I'd say if anything it was those two guys with the name of KD and Kyrie were the main issue. Yeah, why is that? Why? I mean,
5: they're losing games that should not be lost. However, the Nets aren't the only team that has significantly changed the season. The New Orleans Pelicans have also significantly changed with the addition of healthier and fitter Zion Williamson.
6: Um, I feel like Zion is a generational talent. Um, i feel like the pelicans would have probably won a championship by now if he wasn't hurt um for like two three years i think so i feel like he healthy he's probably one of the best players in the nba and he probably will be one of the best players in the nba when it's all said and done i love zion i think he's he's like lebron obviously he's bigger I feel like but I feel like he he plays like LeBron a lot his shooting still needs to get there but he's he's definitely going to help the Pelicans out a lot in
5: the future now that we're talking about the NBA there is no way I can pass up on talking about the Bulls seeing the Bulls last year make the playoffs put hope in most eyes and with this new season starting they are already taking things up a notch being a Bulls superfan Tony Frenny agrees uh,
4: Playoff ready, yes. Championship ready, I'd say once Lonzo gets back, I'd say we have a higher chance than we did last year. I think I'd have them at like a
5: five or six seed probably, just like last year. And since we are talking about improving teams, how can we not talk about the next highly potential MVP candidate, Luka Doncic? Doncic had a strong start to the new NBA season. Coming from ESPN, Doncic averages 36 points with over eight rebounds and assists. Due to the stats, Luca is definitely a possible MVP candidate. Uh,
6: he's definitely improved a lot. I mean, playing overseas, I feel like he definitely had a lot. He's definitely had a lot more experience. He played pro overseas, so definitely coming into the league, he was probably definitely better than a lot of college guys. And he's definitely the best player coming out of his draft class. I think he is a top three player right now. I think he's gonna to continue to be a top three player. And if he starts to win games, and actually win playoff games, win championships, he'll probably end up being like top five all time, I'd
5: say.
4: Luca on, Luca is especially, is just on a different
5: level. Well, how about other MVP candidates like Giannis? How could Giannis fit into all this? Reifke, being not much of a Giannis fan, has strong feelings toward the All Star. Would you say the uh, Milwaukee Bucks are in line to win another championship?
6: Yes, I think they are, especially with the way Giannis has been playing. They start off the season eight and zero. Um, they've been playing great basketball. I feel like they are in line for a championship, By i staying healthy, too. So yeah, I think they're a top three team in the East and I feel like they will be for a while.
5: You don't mind his play style?
6: Well, no, I do. I, I do. I do. Because size is definitely a big thing for him. If, if he was shorter, he wouldn't be as good. Like, I'd say if he was LeBron's height, he wouldn't be that good. If he was Curry's height, he wouldn't be good. But I feel like height and size have to to do with his play style. It's just like, it's just weird how he plays basketball.
5: What do you mean, weird? Just because he ran runs?
6: (laughs) Yes, like, I just, I feel like there's not much skill involved in his game.
5: Among Giannis, there are other factors in the NBA that we have to account for, especially in predicting who has playoff potential and even championship potential. Similar to this scenario, the Cleveland Cavaliers were not able to make the playoffs last year, but with some team managing, they were able to obtain Donovan Mitchell, who can quite possibly be the missing key the Cavs were looking for to get the championship. How do you think uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers will do now that Donovan Mitchell has joined the team and Colin Sexton has left?
4: Well, I mean, just look at them. Like, what are they? Eight and one now, maybe even nine and one today after if they beat the if they beat the Lakers. But I'd say they'd have a pretty decent shot with Donovan Mitchell at least, assuming that he doesn't get hurt during during those playoffs. They're golden, man.
5: All right. so you, so you think that they're championship ready?
4: Oh, definitely. I could see. I could see it. They could be. I'd say the wildcard that no one really saw.
5: Now that you're all caught up on the current NBA stars, I hope you can all soon enjoy their greatness going into the new 22-23 season. This is reporter Dean Carlson, signing off for Night TV.
1: Sports reporter Dylan Heber talks about this year's past MLB playoffs and what would have happened if LaRusso was fired sooner.
0: There goes the runner, fly ball down the right field line. Tucker comes on, Kyle Tucker!
7: The Houston Astros have now won their second World Series in the past five years, and second all-time, but who is this other team that the Astros beat? The Philadelphia Phillies ended the season winning the NL East and winning the NL in the process. On top of these achievements that they haven't claimed since the World Series win in 2008 over the Tampa Bay Rays, they did it all without a manager. On June third, twenty 2022, the Phillies fired manager Joe Girardi following a 22-29 and 29 start to the 2022 season. But was this the right choice? Prospect varsity baseball coach Ross Giusti weighed in on if he thought the Phillies had a shot of even making the playoffs.
8: They certainly had the ability. It's a matter of, uh, you know, baseball is a game of, uh, you know, game of rhythm. When you get hot and you got the right things going for you and you're putting all three phases of the game together, Anything can happen, and they, they certainly have the players.
7: Sophomore baseball player and diehard White Sox fan Kenny Mineo disagrees with Justy, claiming to have never paid attention to the Phillies and saying that they only have one guy, the 2012 BBWAA Rookie of the Year, a multi-time MLB Player of the Month, multi-time Hank Aaron Award recipient, multi-time Silver Slugger for the NL, and 2022 NLCS MVP Bryce Harper.
2: No, I didn't pay any attention really to the Phillies at the start of the year, but the, their team didn't look wonderful. Uh, I didn't really even think of them as a contender for the playoffs. Why not? I just didn't know enough about the team. I really just thought they got Bryce Harper and that was really their only weapon. That's all I thought of them.
7: Even though Juicy isn't a Cubs or Sox fan and just likes to watch good baseball, Kenny loves the Sox. After multiple fan pleas and health issues for the manager, the Sox finally decided to fire manager Tony La Russa after he went 81 and 81. Even though they were second in the AL North, the Sox would not make it into the playoffs. As the only team to advance was the Cleveland Indians, rebranded to the Guardians with a record of 92 and 70, making it all the way to the ALDS where they lost to the powerful Yankees from New York in game five. But would the Sox have made it further if they fired LaRusso sooner?
8: It's hard to say. I think the White Sox defensively struggled all year and their pitching was inconsistent. And uh, I think early in the year, the White Sox Hitting wasn't where they thought it would be. I think injuries really held them back. Uh, you know, not having Anderson and uh, you know there were a couple other injuries they had along the way. I just they just they couldn't put it together.
7: Kenny offers a different perspective to Juicy's claims as he agrees with him.
2: I wouldn't say that they would have made it to the World Series, but I think that they definitely would have made the playoffs because they were a clear contender for the World Series. You know, at the start of the year.
7: Cubs fans and Sox fans look forward to a new season next year as the Sox will have to do it without longtime first baseman and future Hall of Famer Jose Abreu. All fans can do is count down the days to the first pitch on March thirtieth, 2023, where for the first time ever, all 30 teams will play on one day, with the current opening matchup being the Atlanta Braves at the Washington Nationals at 12.05 p.m. But until then, for Night Voices, I'm Dylan Heber.
1: Louis Caldron finds out the unique family traditions that Prospect students have over the holidays.
9: The special time we call the holidays is a time that is for all to enjoy. The time spent with family and friends and the getting together to celebrate the holidays that are unique to us all and that everyone enjoys. Each and every family has different ways of celebrating the holidays. That's what makes a holiday so special. Mia lard talks about some of her family traditions on Noche Bueno.
10: Um, so during the holiday season, my family likes to put up this, um, it's like a star shaped lantern called a parole. Um, and it, it has like a star in the middle that emits light. And that light is supposed to represent like kind of pushing away the darkness in the world. And like trying to celebrate the holidays in light. And then other things you do is that we roast a whole pig, <laughs> like an actual like whole pig. It's It takes hours to cook and then we invite all of our family over and then we have a big feast and then we eat the pork together.
9: Another main holiday that a ton of people celebrate is Hanukkah, a Jewish holiday. Jacob Gregerman gives some information about some of the main parts of Hanukkah that he celebrates. Um, it's a Normally, like, we, uh, we'll light the candles together for the eight nights,
3: say a few prayers, um, and then usually you'll do presents after that. Usually leave the biggest present to the
4: last night.
9: The most cheerful time of the year, Christmas, has some very traditional ways in every family. Everyone can usually celebrate in a different way, like Grant Sherman, who celebrates Christmas. Um, he gives a rundown of some of his traditions that he does during um when he celebrates christmas uh on christmas eve we go to my dad's
0: parents so my uh, my dad's grandparents and we'll usually go to church and i always remember seeing the uh, hallelujah chorus uh, with the choir they call up anyone who uh, wants to or feels the need to sing uh and we can go ahead and sing there um for my grandparents on my mom's side uh we'll usually break off like almost like a wafer kind of like for communion and we'll say what we're uh, thankful for for that year and uh, like a goal for next year. Um, for New Year's, I don't really do anything special really, um, kind of just the basic like uh, Happy New Year's and stuff and a countdown, but that, that's all I can really think of.
9: In Filipino culture, there are certain games and foods that they do to celebrate. Lardisable explains some of those foods and games that they eat and play to celebrate.
10: We also have a lot of, like, desserts made out of sticky rice. Um, We have this one um, dessert called suman, and it's like sticky rice that's wrapped up in banana leaves. And then you steam it, and then when you eat it, you open it up, and then you put, like, this sugar syrup over it. (laughs) We don't, like, oh, well, we don't really play specific games, but a big part of Filipino culture is karaoke. So, like, we like to stay up singing with, like, a karaoke machine, and we just end up singing for hours, because that's something we really like doing.
9: In the Jewish religion, there are some foods that Gregorman enjoys.
3: Oh, yeah, gelt. G-E-L-T.
0: It's, like, a fun candy. Um, But, you uh,
9: like, potato pancakes are a big one. To pass the time, Sherman goes through some of the things he loves during the holidays and some of the food and the games that he enjoys. Uh,
0: during New Year's, we usually play a game of like Life or a Monopoly. Uh, just to spend some spare some time before the the New Year hits. Um, I would say for food, uh, we always have a ham uh, at both Christmases, uh, like usual. Uh, my 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 granny, my my dad's mom, makes this a great baked beans.
9: While these are only three traditions from different people, there are so many more traditions through the holidays. Once again, that's what makes this time of the year so special because no matter what, you're always having a great time with your family. Lardisable expresses how she enjoys her time with her family.
10: Um, My favorite part is definitely staying up until midnight to open the gifts because like we spend the whole day anticipating it and then we try to stay awake and try not to fall asleep and then when midnight comes we just all open the presents together
9: wishing you a happy holidays this is louis calderon reporting for night voices
1: this past month has been full of new movies and series releases in this new segment, Spoiler Alert, Molly Kearns and Claire Whitegoop sit down and talk about the new and highly anticipated Wakanda forever. The good, the bad, and the in-between.
11: Hi, I'm Claire. Hi, I'm Molly. And this is a new segment we like to call Spoiler Alert. We are going to spoil a movie for you. Because I apologize. Because we can't talk about movies without spoiling them. Um so what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the new Black Panther movie, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yeah. Yeah, that is what we're talking about. So, initial opinion? Um it was something. It was it <laughs> was, it was not what I thought it was going to be. I'll it's, say that. It's giving Avatar? It really is. Um the blue people are Interesting. I am slightly confused. Yeah, I second that. I... Okay, it was, like, with the blue people. I'll start off with that. Let's start with the blue people. <laughs> Topic number one. Cinematography, beautiful. Like, that right. under one underwater scene where yes. Shuri was there, beautiful. It just... It didn't feel like a Marvel movie. And, like, sometimes that's okay, but for this, I don't know if it was. I think hot take recently, Marvel is not giving because Marvel, I feel like it's trying to be DC
4: Hmm. and it
11: doesn't need to. Interesting. Because it's giving like paranormal and like with like Eternals 2, that was giving like Superman and this one's just giving like Avatar and it's not giving like everyday heroes. And then when you go from, like, the horror movie that was multiverse of madness <laughs> to Thor Love and Thunder to this, it's just, it's a weird jump. It, it really is. Um, Marvel, can we have a talk <laughs> about your choices, please? <laughs> so, let's talk about Shuri. And Shuri is the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I think that sherry out of everyone was a good choice because it's t'challa's younger sister they were so close i think she has those like leadership qualities i'll say and i felt like it was the most logical thing to do it just like obviously with chadwick's death it was a little rushed but there's nothing they could really do about it right and i do like as much as we're gonna like Hate on this movie to an extent. I think it was a really good tribute Mm -hmm. to Chadwick Boseman, especially since his death was so sudden and they already had a plan. Like, it was a very nice tribute. And, like, the Mm -hmm. opening credits. Yeah, I cried. It was, it was like bringing me back to like when Stan Lee died and they did all of those opening credits. Yeah. So, it felt like a really nice tribute. It's just the storyline was not what I thought it was going to be. I guess I I'll go with that. I think that starting, you first start off, it's, it was very sad at the beginning. Like, that yeah. was so emotional. Just, like, having his funeral there, like, you could tell that wasn't really acting. Like, it was true emotion. And then you have the opening credits, and then it's sort of, like, like I said before, it was a, it's a weird jump the rest of the movie. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, We go from, oh no, he's dead, to ocean people. Uh, (laughs) Right? So, initial thoughts on there being another world? A vibranium, question mark? Yeah. Uh, I think also the the way they introduced it, where you have just, like, these people, just, like, these sirens, like... Popping out of the ocean, like... That was freaky! (laughs) I'm watching it, and I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Like, something's gonna come out of the ocean. It's gonna be a whale. And then it was a person, and and then he flies. Can we talk about the... Can we talk about the Um, wings on his ankle? (laughs) I get it. He's... He's special. He's not like other mer people. So can we can we talk about the wings on his feet? Because why? (sighs) Because he's not like other sea people. He's He's not like the other blue people. Because he's not blue. Yeah. What is it with that? I. It's. I. I don't know. She's I was sort of lost. He's a mutant of a mutant? I guess so. I was just sort of lost. Doesn't make him normal? Like... You would think so. But well, no, he breathes underwater. I'm like, doesn't that cancel out? <laughs> like, the math is not mathing here for this guy. My friend likes to tell me that he's really hot. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not. He's really not. I'm sorry. Heard it here first. Breaking news. Um, but, like, everybody's obsessed with him, and I don't... I don't see it. I'm not feeling the hype. For this guy. I'm not. He's not... He's not even a good villain. He's not, a, like... Okay, he was, like... I think that the scene at the beginning when they were, like, calling these people to the water was a lot freakier than Moore's whole villain arc. Well, no, because... Like, I've said it once, I'll say it again. He was not the right villain for this. I... My opinion. My opinion. Haters, haters can hate. I just don't think he... I don't think he gave villain i think it it's a little hard to go from the god butcher to this underwater guy that that's yeah <laughs> like gore actually scared me like he was he was scary he was a good villain yeah you just i don't know unless they like weren't going for more of a villainy unless like it was supposed to be more of a tribute but for I people know. for people who don't know we're talking about gore from Thor Love and Thunder yes. which was the villain in there so if you're not marvel educated or haven't yes. seen that one either spoiler alert i there's also one other thing that i think or another thing we should cover which is the ancestral plane and what yeah. shuri saw that was plot twist plot twist plot for sure twist I, Killmonger really did not expect to see him. Always a welcome surprise. That man is beautiful. I love Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) The great addition. Michael B. Jordan, hot or not, hot. We know the answer. Yeah, yep. Honestly, that was very surprising because Sherry didn't seem like that kind of person. That, I did not see the connection, but like, as the progressed a little further, I did see it. I was yeah. I was getting it, but when I first saw him there, especially since he was in the throne room, I was just like, "What is happening?" Yeah, and it's just, I feel like, I feel like Shuri's like character arc took a sharp turn. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like they were like, "Well, we need something to push this movie forward. Let's take this girl who just lost her brother and." put her through the stages of grief i guess yeah and the entire movie she's just angry at everyone yeah and everything she went through a little bit of a wanda face a little bit i'm not mad at it i'm just so i'm not i'm not the biggest wanda fan and you know this mm-hmm. yeah um people can say what they want i just don't love her for all intents mm-hmm. and purposes and i feel like It was disappointing for me to see a character that I really, really loved kind of turn to a darker side, I guess. It was just strange to me because I didn't really see it coming. So, I guess, I mean, plot twist. but Yeah. They they really did put her through a lot in this movie. And um, I think her sudden shift in character honestly wouldn't have made sense if they didn't have that throne room scene yeah that was really i think the bridge i guess but i don't know like i've said this a lot it was just it was a big jump it was it was and i think i guess it the other thing i want to mention about you know her grief and stuff i don't know if it was needed but i i mean i guess it helped Mm -hmm. just it was shocking to see the queen die it was shocking I was surprised that they did that, like that they with, went there with what with everything else that was already going on with right. us. And then, like just to add to that, I guess this was like a part of hope for her. But can we talk about the end credit scene? Yeah. What? Can I just what? What? <laughs> You're telling me he had a son this whole time with the same name. I like, I like, I, I love it. I like that part. That was, I think that I, like I said, big surprise. I cried, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I loved it. Yeah. Because I, as much as like some of these newer movies aren't totally doing mm-hmm. it for me, I see what they're trying to do because they're pushing way for like the new Avengers and yeah. all of that. And so him having a son pushes that forward and like. Mm-hmm allow space for everything. And the other thing in the show that's like new avenger e, quote-unquote, um, is... What was her name? Riri? Riri. Riri Williams. Yeah, I the hard. girl who made the vibranium drill. Mm-hmm. I'm waving my fist in the air like <laughs> weird person. Like she's drilling. But I'm drilling. <laughs> um, I'm either drilling or I'm washing windows. Who will know? <laughs> um... But that was, that was an interesting piece to the story. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I, I don't know if it was weird or not. Like, my first reaction when you have the Wakandans fighting all these blue people on the ship, and then you just have her flying around, it was a lot going on. Yeah. But, it was, <laughs> you know. It was giving, like, Avengers plus Captain Marvel. Okay, yeah do you I see get where going with yeah. that like the one person flying in the air <laughs> yeah um but I just I thought it was interesting that they brought in like an quote-unquote Iron Man suit yeah I feel like genuinely right now like all these recent movies have really been building up to the new Avengers like you're starting to see like quote-unquote replacements yeah which is unfortunate because I'm a yeah. I'm a diehard OG Avengers girl. I miss the original six, and I know I know we have to move on, but it's just sort of like it's shocking. Like you're just so used to like who you, like your favorite characters, and now that they're gone, it's sort of like you walk into the theater and you're watching movies. We're like, oh, this is them now. Yeah, and like this movie was super long. It was. was, I think it was a little bit long. Three hours? Two and a half? Two hours and 40 minutes, I think. Yeah. And I, a lot of these movies recently are this long just Mm -hmm. because there's all this backstory that needs to go into it to prep us for the new Avengers. Mm -hmm. And so I just, it's hard. It's really hard to like make the transition from old Marvel to new Marvel, I guess. Yeah. Where, you know, we're exploring the multiverse more and. That kind of thing. It's just... It's weird. And I might be wrong, but I think this movie was at the end of Phase 4? Maybe. Because Marvel released at Comic-Con. They're, like, planned for the next, like, three years or whatever. You can really see, like, through these most recent movies, what's taking shape. Yeah. It's just... It's interesting. It is interesting. It's it's cool to see it, you know, all play out mm-hmm. and be like... See the yeah. whole picture form the way we didn't really with the original adventures, mm-hmm. but it's just it's hard to let go of like all that stuff that we love. It's bittersweet. Know? Yeah, it's bittersweet. Any last? I don't think so. should Should we recap? Yeah, first beautiful tribute to Chadwick Boseman for sure. They Second. did that well. Yeah. Definitely. Second, blue people. Weird. Lots of blue people. <laughs> it was definitely giving Avatar mixed with a little bit of Smurfs, but more Avatar, more yeah. Avatar. Yeah. Um interesting. We'll put it like we'll put it that way. If I had to describe this movie in one word, I would say interesting for sure. Interesting. Uh, third, the mutant of a mutant, the villain that was not very villainy. I, okay, can I just say this? I, I felt like they were gonna, like, the original plan was to try and go for a love arc between him and Shuri. It was giving Kylo Ren and Rey. Thank you, thank you, you. thank you. Oh my gosh! At least I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Because when like she goes down and they're like talking about his family and he's like, oh, I mm, here's I'll this you. bracelet. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they were trying to go for love arc and it just wasn't working. And I'm okay. It didn't work. I'm perfectly fine. It did not work. I am actually glad it didn't Me too. work because I didn't like that at all. And I, and also like in the end when he was like, oh yeah, you know the world will come after them and then we'll <laughs> take their stuff. Mwahaha. <laughs> like. They're trying to make him a villain, and he's not. He's not. I'm sorry. If they I... tried to make him a love interest, and he still wasn't. I'm sorry, no more if I hurt your feelings. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I don't like him. And uh, on a scale from hot to not, he is <laughs> not not. Yeah. Um. And then, finally, just moving into a new era of Marvel. So. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard, but we're moving on. We're, moving we're on. grieving. We're graduating. <laughs> um but I guess that's get that's all I have to say Me too. about this movie. Me too. In one word. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Alright, well, I'm Claire. I'm Molly and we are signing off from Night Voices.
1: In the last podcast of this episode. Executive Producer Luis Hernandez and Associate Producer Ben Walsack review the new Star Wars series Endor. Hello everyone, my name is Luis Hernandez, and I'm here with Ben Walzak to talk about the new Andor series streaming exclusively on Disney Plus. So Ben, what has been your thoughts on this uh, season so far? I've been
8: loving it, and you know, I can't wait for this season finale, I cannot wait for season two. Um, I've actually been holding off on watching Rogue One until I finish the season, because I haven't, I haven't seen it in like a year or so, maybe two years at this point. Um, I'm just super excited.
1: Now, talking about row One, uh, something that actually... Um, so when the TV show came out, when the series came out, I was actually at Disney World, uh, and we were just stuck there because of the Hurricane Ian. And uh, me and my friends started watching it, but we didn't quietly understand at first. We weren't sure. Uh, we, I didn't remember who this and or character was. Uh, So we actually saw the Rogue One movie first, and that kind of led me into, like, going to see what this new TV show was about.
8: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and obviously it connects uh, directly to uh, Rogue One. It has a lot of characters. In fact, did you know that um, in the episode that we're going to talk about, One Way Out, the guy who he escapes with in, like, the final scene, um, that is actually one of the people that he helps uh, storm the beach in in Rogue One? Helps him storm
1: of the beach. Oh, make- actually, yeah. Oh, so we're just gonna be seeing all how uh, Andor get uh, is, is basically comes f- part of the rebellion. His way up to, um, how the rebellion started and how they achieved to finally steal the first or uh, the first plants of the first Death Star, mm-hmm. which is incredible. So far, um, I've loved seeing how we're seeing more about the um, empire that we haven't been able to see in some past movies. Of course, we able to see, but only like higher ranks, not really on how it's actually affecting um, each planet, if you want to say. Uh, in one of the episodes, episode num- number six, we saw Aldani heist and how uh, the imp- the imperial, Imper- I'm seeing it wrong, right? Mm, yeah. The empire, empire, sorry, the empire has been, um, conquesting other worlds and just basically removing their native uh, people and just making bases and extracting resources from there—it's really interesting. I really like that, especially that that episode number 60 the Donny heist. What are your thoughts on that, Ben? <laughs> oh,
8: I, you know, I love the episode too. It sort of—it wasn't a parody, but it followed a lot of tropes that a lot of iconic heist movies have. Um, I really love that aspect of it. Um, also, I, I like to see how, like, the rebellion is using, like, darker tactics, such as, like, taking hostages and, like, um, actually just murdering people. I thought it was really cool to see, like, a darker side of it um, compared to, like, the early movies back in the 70s and 80s where we just, we barely saw any violence. Um, it was always just a very, like, black and white. The rebellion is good. The empire is bad. Exactly. Um, it's good to see that we're, like... It's like there are different sides of the story
1: you yeah, know we're definitely now uh digging into what the empire is actually and how they started because this is also the very beginning of the empire mm-hmm. of course not like the very very beginning but you know uh we're seeing uh how there is uh, a whole building in the in the uh, in the capital of the universe i'm gonna say yeah, of, of the galaxy mm-hmm. yeah galaxy. of how uh, the security works on how different people are like in charge of the f- different sectors. Uh, when when I saw that, I was like, wow, so it's like an actual whole like thing um, that it's very well structured. Yeah,
8: yeah. Um, another thing that I love to see was with the early um, just like beginnings of the Empire was how they were actually using a, a private security force. Um, to enforce the planet—that's right. something you don't see in the later movies. But Ooh. obviously, since it's just like the beginning of the Empire, and they are probably lacking in stormtroopers, they had to um, use private people. Um, yeah, third party. I thought, yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting.
1: And now that we go into that, uh, we have we're gonna run down with the main character. So Ben, do you want to start with that?
8: Um, I mean. Wait, what do you mean? Just, like, uh, explaining who Cassian is, or... Yeah. Um, All right, so, yeah, his backstory is... It's shown to, um... He was on a planet that lacked uh, technology, and it is mostly, like, the... um, I don't want to say tribe, but the group of people that he lived with. They all seem to be, like, children or just very young adults. Um, And I'm... It kind of, I guess, it hinted at all of their parents being killed off in some sort of either... Empire, I, I believe, is actually the Separatists that um, killed them off.
1: Yes, so I think that it was it, them that killed them, yeah. It was connecting, yeah,
8: sort of, the, um, sort of more of the Clone Wars era, which I really liked. Um, yeah, I, I thought they did a really good job showing a like, casting back story, but not like go, like holding your hand and just following you through all of it. They just um, sort of hinted at a lot of stuff uh, and kind of left it up to you to interpret
1: Oh, no, no, totally. We also have this uh, character called Cyril Karn that he is one of the officers from that third-party security company that we see uh, that it's linked to the Empire. Uh, But when uh, things happen, when he messed up, the Empire took control of that sector.
8: Mm -hmm. Um, Then at least my favorite character so far has been Luthan. Uh, Luthan Rail. definitely um, he was actually he's been played by Stellan Skarsgård he's an actor that i really liked and he was also in uh, the Rogue One movie um, so I, I think he's done just a fantastic job acting and she, he's been playing like sort of two different characters one that is like leading the rebellion and another one that's just like a private shop owner that um is in support of the Empire.
1: Right, right. So we're we're seeing the basically the beginning of the rebellion, yeah. how it was formed by uh Lothan and as well as Okay. So yeah, she's
8: also been playing sort of two different characters just like Luthen, um or just like putting on an act in front of a lot of her even her friends and her family. Um she's not letting them know the whole truth about like what she's actually doing. I think that's really brave of her, actually.
1: Yeah, we're seeing how she is going in, not kind of hiding, but the secrecy that's going behind of how she supports the Empire but really doesn't at the same time, as well as we see Asluthan doing that, like you said, with his shop. Uh, but I love, I love that we're getting to see exactly how the Ver- Rebellion started.
8: Mm-hmm. Um, another, like, another sort of. Cameo that I like. He only had. He was only in a few episodes. But Andy Serkis, who played Kino Loy, the leader of the Prison Break, he actually he played Snoke in the um, Last Jedi and Force Awaken in the sequel movies. I thought that was really cool to bring him back and play a completely separate character. Um, he did a really good job, sort of sewing like a broken person who, in like a last ditch effort, like helped all the prisoners um, escape unfortunately at the end um, he had a very sad end uh, that that really made me emotional seeing um, him say I can't swim that like got a, I got a little bit choked up seeing that
1: now I didn't know that so the supreme leader mm-hmm. is,
8: is played by the same guy who played Kino which helped yeah. and
1: escape and basically destroy the mm-hmm. that that bi- wow that's crazy yeah, yeah now do we know why they're doing it this way
8: um i think he's just a very prominent actor i don't think it has anything to do with like snoke's identity um i, I think it's just they really liked Andy circus and they probably wanted to bring him back he had that very like powerful voice um which is shown uh to like sort of announce to the prison that they were all going to be free I really like that moment um, where he gave that great speech. And actually, there have been a lot of just great speeches throughout this um, this TV show.
1: Yeah, there has been. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm not that big of a fan of uh, not speeches, but at the beginning, I am going to say this. I thought it was boring. I was having a hard time watching the show. But then as we got to episode six, I, it just exploded my mind. And then... Uh, when we got to episode 10 that's when I I, I really got uh, engaged with this new uh, series because it's just amazing seeing the back history of the empire. Yeah,
8: yeah. Um, And just going back to those speeches, Luthan with that like amazing speech about like all the things he's had to give up um, and just like also uh, Mon Mothma giving a great speech to her sister um, and Sort of, uh, Forrest Whitaker was actually, he was in Rogue One as well, playing Saw Gerrera. Um, oh. he's been just like playing the same character, but I think he's done a really good job. Um, I th- think this show has just done a really like great job, not only using cameos right. and just, um, sort of like fan service to help guide it, it's been like pretty much completely separate from all the movies, and it's been just been a genuinely good TV show. Like, I've been really invested in it.
1: Oh, and I think uh, more than 57,000 people that have uh, reviewed uh, this TV show in IMDb, I agree with you. I was reading some of the reviews, and everyone is just saying that how crazy and how well-structured this is. Uh, I'm going to read this uh, review by Charlie D.Mond from um i am dv uh, they're saying uh, if I can find it again uh, it is clear that who wrote uh, it is clear that who wrote the script for Ander needs to be promoted to a higher role within Disney hierarchy of writers because they actually know how to write a coherent story that doesn't trip over itself Ander is manufactured without being explicit, it is gripping on real wish list, being completely fictional, in fact it does so well in portraying the reality of its characters that parallels can be drawn to real life apartheid such as the south africa apartheid struggle the struggle had people who had to do things that were bad for a good cause there's no negotiate negotiating the morality and it is the same in ander it holds no punches in portraying reality and that's why ander is the best star wars series this is from charlie E-D-M-O-N-D in IMB. And I totally agree with um, Charlie. Uh, It's definitely well-structured in uh, point of view of a a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, my opinion is, yes, I love this. I love the series. I love how we're getting to watch all the Imperial stuff. But it does get boring at some point.
8: I yeah no I understand that but I've been enjoying it a lot more um, at least just dialogue wise I've been I was looking this up the scriptwriter for um, the TV show he also wrote the Jason Bourne movies and the original Rogue One movie which this is based off of um, I know. The, the Mandalorian is the other TV show that a lot of people have been comparing this to. And yep. I've actually, I've been liking this a little bit more than Mandalorian oh, just because- I agree um, with you. Yeah. I, I, I love The Mandalorian, but this is just, there's so much more dialogue going on. It's just like people talking and I, I love that in Star Wars. I love just like world building, um, all the world building that they do inside of this uh, inside this, um. Just story. seeing all it's the just, behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's really cool. Yeah. Um,
1: totally and to finish up uh this podcast we do want to talk about the last episode that just came out oh my god when i i was before we recorded this i was watching the last couple of minutes of the show and how the the heck did um Luthan. Luthan. The scene
8: with the starfighter. How like that's gotta be one of my favorite space scenes. Oh, totally. Like maybe even my favorite. Like that was amazing. Like we saw
1: lasers. We saw uh, him destroying the uh, the Uh, the tractor. Yeah, Yeah, the 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 tractor. tractor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just crazy. I never thought Um, someone could have done this mm -hmm. in the way that he did.
8: Yeah, no, I'm, and then the thing I was telling Luis as he was watching it was that um, that massive star cruiser that is shown um, that the Empire is using that is actually an original design, original concept design that they u- that they brought back from the 1970s, and they made it into an actual ship. And I thought that was really cool. Unfortunately, the concept designer did pass away this year, but um, I thought it was cool that ma- I hope he got to see um, his design like put into production. Next week or next Wednesday for the final episode and next year for season two.
1: All right. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in on today's review. My name is Luis Hernandez and I'm accompanied by Ben Walsack. And make sure to check out all of our stories in uh, prospector.now.com and just keep updated with all of what's happening here at Prospect High
8: School. And do not forget to tune in to Night TV Live.
1: Oh, yeah, we're going to start just with the uh, winter season. We're going to have some wrestling. We're going to have some boys and girls basketball, as well as some boys swim and dive. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to us. My name is Lester Hernandez, signing off for Night Voices. Thank you so much for joining us in our third episode of the year. Again, my name is Luis Hernandez. And don't forget to follow us on our social medias. Instagram, underscore night media. TikTok, underscore night media PHS. One of our Twitter accounts is gonna be underscore night media. The other one is prospector now. As well as, don't forget to check out our uh, news website prospectornow.com for more stories out there. Again, my name is Luis Hernandez. I'm the executive producer of Night TV Live, and this is a producer of Night Voices. Signing off for Night Voices.
7: Times many ways,
4: Merry Christmas.
0: That's what Christmas is for.